Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail those questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here's Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study in the epistles of John. We're in 1 John, and we're in chapter 5. We gave a thorough look at verse 11 last session, and we are now continuing in our study. We look at uh, verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And the question then would be, do you have the Son? Now John goes on to say, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Now God hears our prayer whenever we ask anything according to his will. It's not to suggest that we have to sit down and carefully examine what we're going to pray about before we pray because we must make sure that it's specifically in a portion of God's will for us at that very moment. We do the praying and God does the sorting. And God will answer our prayers. Now, we're not to pray for things that are uh, sinful, licentious, or evil, or unscriptural. And we know that. Uh, If we're growing in grace and seeking to follow God, if we have a life of obedience, we shouldn't have any fear of what we pray uh, when we are before Almighty God. He's told us to come before his throne with boldness. That means with authority, and our authority, our boldness, is not of ourselves. It's not of us. It's of Jesus Christ. We come through the name and the blood of Jesus Christ, the merit of Jesus Christ. That's how we come to God. We're told in this passage that he hears us. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that he gives what we want or grants our request, but he hears us. You see, God is God. He's not a heavenly bellhop of some sort. He is not some sort of a servant of ours. We are his servants, as well as being his children. We're not to expect him to jump and run and to do what we want him to do. He promises to hear us. And he promises to answer according to his will. God's will is perfect. God's will is without question, without doubt, is perfect. 
And we know of people who say, well, God never answered my prayer, so I quit praying. Well, wait a minute. Maybe he answered your prayer with a no, or maybe he answered your prayer with, what are you thinking? That'll be bad for you. I don't want what's bad for you because we know God says he wants our good to be for us, and he prepares for us to have his best. God did not answer their prayers, perhaps, as they prayed them, but God answered their prayers nonetheless. We need to be thankful that God answers our prayers according to his perfect will, not according to ours, because we would oftentimes, unfortunately, have unintended consequences. Even the Lord Jesus Christ prayed, Not my will, but thine be done, in Luke twenty-two forty-two, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he was battling through before he went to trial and then to his death and then to his burial and then to his resurrection, he said to God the Father, Not my will, but thine be done. So if it was important for Christ to pray in that fashion and to submit his will to God's will and his authority to God's authority, then how much more important is it for us, for me, for you, to pray in the same way, to pray in the same manner? You see, prayers answered in the will of God will always be for God's glory and for our benefit, always. If you're not walking with the Lord, if you're not having close fellowship with Christ, then you're going to have selfish prayers. If you're not seeking to please him in your life on a daily basis, you're going to be praying for yourself. You're going to be praying for the things you want. James 5.16 puts it this way. He says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But a righteous man is not the person I just described. A righteous man is someone who is allowing God to live through him and control his life. He's dependent upon the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, working in his life on a daily basis. You ask and you receive not, James writes in James 4, 3, because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. James' description here is one of a misconception of what true prayer should be. Prayer is fellowship with the Almighty God. It's a beautiful fellowship. It's a wonderful fellowship because of this fellowship, God often performs mighty miracles. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. This verse 15 causes some people to think that they get whatever they ask for, but the important part of the verse is not the whatsoever we ask, but it's if we know that he hear us. And what petitions does God hear? The previous verse says, anything according to his will. So prayers 
that are in the will of God are heard and answered according to his will. And that's another one of the no's. You know, John has so many of the no's in his writings, K-N-O-W. We know that God will answer our prayers in a manner pleasing to him. Now, does that not give you assurance? It gives me assurance. I, I can pray and realize that God will answer my prayers according to his perfect will. Not according to my tainted request, but according to God's perfect will. We experience God as we communicate with him, as we pray, we experience God. Some of my favorite times in life are when I am by myself in the prayer room, as it were, coming before the very throne of Almighty God. It is a mystical experience, but it's far more than that. It's a miraculous experience, but it's far more than that. It's a human being who has been pardoned, who has been forgiven through the action of the Son of Almighty God coming before God himself in the merits of his Son. It's not how much money we have. It's not how strong we are. It's not uh, how many uh, changes we've made in society for the better. It's none of that that brings us close to God. It's Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus Christ who offers us this opportunity of getting to communicate and commune with God the Father. It is a wonderful thing to experience God through prayer. We may have much heartache, much heartbreak. We may have many problems in our lives. That may be what causes us to go to prayer more often than not. And yet it's used of God in bringing us closer to him. George Mueller was quoted as saying this, During my lifetime, if you don't know George Mueller, let me tell you, he was a, uh, a great uh, minister of the gospel in England, uh, and he had a number of orphanages, and he did not tell people what his needs were. He prayed and saw God provide. Now, there's some clues there that we can go through as we read about his life, and if you've never read about George Mueller, you really need to. That's M-U-L-L-E-R. But he was quoted as saying, During my lifetime I have had 25,000 prayers answered, and 5,000 of these came on the very day I made the petition. He kept a book. He had a ledger that uh, he had for his prayers. And so he would write his prayer requests down, and then he would write down when they were answered. So, checking through his record, this man of God who read the Bible through 200 times in his lifetime found that the Lord specifically changed his prayers into realities. 
He also said this, I've had a policy in my life that when I read the Word of God and come to a commandment, I obey it immediately. Well, it's no wonder then that Mueller experienced the mighty working of God because he enjoyed his prayer time. And it's not just for George Mueller back a hundred and some years ago. It's for us as well. It's a blessed privilege to come to prayer. It's a blessed privilege to know that our prayers are answered by Almighty God because of his promises. Let's go on to verse 16 of 1 John chapter 5. If any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in darkness, lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true, and that we are in him that is true, even his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. And that's the end of the book. Five very short chapters. So the Apostle John finishes up this short epistle on the same note where he began. If you'll remember in chapter 1, he stressed the importance of the believers walking in the light as opposed to walking in darkness. And here in the conclusion of 1 John, he warns of the power of sin. You see, sin is not only something that is to be avoided because of itself, but it's also a hindrance to God's blessing. If we're involved in sin, even if we're just close to sin, we wind up hindering what God wants to do to bless each one of us. So if I'm dabbling in sin, then, hey, that's used by Satan against God and against me. It turns the believer from what is best and what is God's best for us to something that's second best or third best or fourth best or not best at all. You've got to understand that your adversary, the devil, hates you just as he hates God himself. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he does his best to destroy the witness that you have. That's one reason why it is so difficult to witness to others when they've known folks who have been in sin while pretending or attempting to present Jesus Christ as the Savior. So we're obligated, not because of our relationship to Christ only, 
but because of our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're obligated to stay away from sin. We're obligated to not live for ourselves. In fact, Paul writes in Romans fourteen seventeen, None of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Uh, the author of novels put it, No man is an island. There are those who are in the family of God, and those belong to each other. They are my brothers and sisters in Christ. They are your brothers and sisters in Christ. The problems that other Christians face, we face. The problems that other Christians in other lands have, we may not face them as directly as they do, but we face them with them because they themselves are confronted with difficulties, with problems, with persecutions. We should share with other Christians in their conflicts. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. There shouldn't be a loner among God's people. We are all in this thing together. Romans 12.15 reminds us that we're to rejoice with them that do rejoice, and to weep with them that weep. We have become so isolated, especially in the millennial generation and those that will follow, we've become isolated because of the virtual world in which we find ourselves living. We allow the various accoutrements and comforts of modern technology to separate us from others. And we have all sorts of social media that we can use but it does not mean that we actually have a relationship with others. It's not uncommon for me to talk to someone in my family who says, I, I spoke to so-and-so, and we talked about such-and-such. And, such. and then when I investigate a little further, no, they did not talk to them, as in verbally speaking, as I'm doing now, but they were texting, or they were chatting online. They were doing some sort of something like that. It wasn't voice to, to ear. It wasn't speaking at all. It wasn't communicating in that fashion. And we have become accepting of that sort of thing to the point that we become loners. We're not to be loners in Jesus Christ. We are to be concerned about others. We're to have a personal responsibility for other Christians. And this is where we read in this passage, If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and God shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. So in caring for the spiritual needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ, those who have yielded to temptation, we're not to respond with a critical spirit. Rather, we're to have hearts that overflow with Christian love. And we need to help them in every way possible to get them back in fellowship with Christ. The Lord has forgiven each of us many, many times and has restored us to fellowship. And because of this, then we're obligated as well to help fellow believers in their times of defeat so that they might once again press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3 14. 
So we help other Christians through their encounters with Satan and with Satan's minions, and we ourselves become stronger in the faith. We lose nothing when we reach out in love to a fallen brother or sister. We gain everything because Paul, in his admonition, said, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Galatians 6, 1. Lord willing, at next session, we'll continue talking about and studying the way that we can help other believers who are facing spiritual difficulties even at this time. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the postal service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.